And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of weed by your bed. <laughs> Jelly Wings, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! <laughs> I will find proof. <laughs> I am very easily startled, Mr. Finkelman. I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. (laughs) I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, welcome to Medical Stuff. My name is Mark. I'm just so down these days, Frankum. And that is Chris... Uh, just had a baby. You cry like a baby. <laughs> just because you cry like a baby doesn't mean you have the baby blues, Frankum. That's fair. Princeton over there. Yeah. Hi. So, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. How you doing? How are you? Hey, baby, you do you okay? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I'm feeling better than I did last week. Last week was a nice quill uh, driven night. And, Gosh. Uh, although I think I told you that uh, while I was listening to the podcast, I was actually interjecting the jokes I would have said if I'd been there for the recording. Right. You have a conversation <laughs> with me. And I was thinking of you the entire time. In fact, uh, and I edited a lot of it. I actually found myself editing my own solo episode more than when it's the two of us. Really? <laughs> well, I think we're both used to kind of naturally playing off each other because a lot of times in the podcast, I'd be like, yeah, and then kind of naturally wait for a retort. And obviously, there's no one else to retort. <laughs> and so I just feel like, yeah, awkward it's, silence it, and it's back a different, into this. It's a different beast when you're by yourself. Well, when you got two people, you kind of get to trade off the mental, the thinking for a little bit and just comment on what the other guy says. You know, right. it's kind of like, all right, I only have to really perform for half of this, you know? <laughs> So, uh, this week, we're going to be talking about postpartum depression. Yeah. Uh, this is something that comes on when you're a postpartum, which means... Yeah, uh, post-baby birthing. <laughs> is that the medical terminology? Yeah, absolutely, it is. <laughs> uh, after thine baby comes forth from thy vagina, uh, that you are now in the postpartum... Uh, excuse me, not thy vagina, thine vagina. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that That is... Um, you are postpartum immediately after you've had a baby, so that's postpartum. And then, uh, so postpartum depression would be depression at this stage. If you're curious about uh, birth and babies and what can go on during that time, uh, go back and listen to our OB-GYN, which has Jesse Fingston on there, Chris's wife, who, after having two children, we thought would be more of an expert, but was kind of the 14-year-old boy in the room. Yeah. No, she just giggled a lot <laughs> and made a lot of jokes. Um, fun part, though, is... I'm a little bit disappointed, though. So we do these callbacks from time to time for other episodes. It turns out Spencer Oliver actually doesn't hate them. Yeah, I know. It's made them less fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we're still going to do call outs, but. Oh, yeah. It thanks, was, for stealing, thanks for stealing our joy, Spence. <laughs> it was funner when I thought it bothered somebody. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now it's just. Now See, now you know how I feel about fun. Definitive Airway and Black Ice. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I know it bothers you, then it's a lot more fun at that point. Yeah, no, it is. And it does bother me. So, <laughs> so uh, the birth of a baby can trigger a jumble of powerful emotions from excitement and joy to fear and anxiety. But it can also result in something else called depression. depression. <clears throat> Sorry, I was yawning about depression. <laughs> that was See, this not... is the, things like that don't happen when we're in the same room together. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> first I can say things like that don't happen when, uh, when you're solo. I'm like, well, yeah, because... Unless I'm talking to myself, I'm not going to interrupt myself, but but then I'm like, but I might. 
<clears throat> so yeah. So uh, most most new moms actually do experience some postpartum. Uh, you would you'd put what's the quote sound? Uh, baby blues after uh, childbirth. Uh, it commonly includes mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, crying spells of the mom, by the way. Crying spells of a baby is just having a baby. Uh, anxiety. What about crying spells of dad? Yeah. Ex- it, uh, hmm. uh, so here's the thing. Uh, when I was a new dad, don't get me wrong, I definitely had my thoughts and feelings and not all of them warm and fuzzy, some of them sad. Uh, but next to the thoughts and feelings I figured she was having, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Just not going to worry about this. What was the joke you tried to pull during delivery? I didn't try to pull. Did pull. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was a try because my understand it. Nobody else thought it was a joke. Uh, no, you. nurse laughed. Oh, did she? Okay, yeah. well, never mind then. Nurse laughed. I had an audience of two. One was my wife. One was the nurse. Nurse hey, laughed. Um, 50%. So after my wife was uh, just really pushing and was an absolute champ and just cranked that baby on out of there. Um <laughs> And it looked like it hurt. I uh, <laughs> I was, of course, in charge of holding back one of the legs, which is just something they have husbands do so we feel important. Right. Uh, and then she was she was. They have there. actual pieces of equipment that can do that, but, you know, just give the husband something to do. Hey, if, any, if, if, if I'm anything, I'm a good tool. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, it's kind of what got us into that mess. Anyway. All right. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I had to hold her leg back. And uh, after, you know, she just blasted a baby out of her vagina. Also something that got you in this mess. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, I really hope she doesn't listen to these episodes. And she doesn't listen to any of them, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But, um, well, mainly because she knows both of us. That's true. What else yeah. is she going to learn? So anyway, you're there holding the leg back. She's delivering. Yeah. And so, of course, she gets done and is obviously uh, absolutely exhausted. All the pain she's been through. And I'm like... I'll tell you what, sweetie, my shoulder got sore holding that leg back. (laughs) (laughs) And then the nurse is like, (laughs) doesn't say anything out loud. But the best part about this is prior to having, uh, prior to that process uh, or that phase in this process, we took a Your First Baby class. And one of the things the instructor said clearly, hey, dads, I know you think you're funny. But right after the baby's been born is not the time to make a joke because they will remember that forever and nothing you're going to say is going to be funny. I just, I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, whatever. You haven't heard my jokes, motherfucker. Well, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, no, no, no. She's talking to all these other dads in here. She doesn't know. At the time, we didn't have a podcast, but I knew someday I would. And I'm like, look, I'm I'm podcast funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out she was right. <laughs> the expert yeah. that we paid money to teach us actually knew what they were talking about. What the hell? Anyway, so uh, anxiety and difficulty sleeping. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, so yeah. The baby blues commonly includes mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, and difficulty sleeping. Baby blues typically begins <clears throat> within the first two to three days after delivery and can last for up to two weeks. Now, of course, these numbers are not hard and fast. No, they are. If you're at 15 days, don't think that like. <laughs> yeah. No, they said two weeks. You know, in two weeks, it's been two weeks, and I should be feeling better now. Huh? No, nothing. I was oh. finishing my beer. Ah. Uh, but some new moms experience more severe, long-lasting forms of depression known as postpartum depression, and this is something that, unfortunately, until recently, was really misunderstood. Um. Women who suffered from postpartum depression really didn't 
have a way to deal with that. So women really didn't have an outlet for this. They're really, you know, I mean, it was known, but it wasn't really medically recognized until probably like the past, I want to say like 10 years. Uh, it was on some levels before then, but this depression is uh, rarely an extreme mood disorder called postpartum psychosis can develop after childbirth. But most of the time you either have the baby blues or the uh, postpartum depression. So postpartum depression isn't a character flaw or weakness. A lot of women felt shame because part of this it makes it help. It makes it uh, hard to bond with your baby. So it makes them feel like they're bad parents. So a lot of women wouldn't talk about it, and it needs to be discussed. So uh, sometimes it's simply a complication of giving birth. If you have postpartum depression, mm-hmm. prompt treatment can help you manage your symptoms and help you bond with your child. Actually, really quick, I want to touch yeah. So you just mentioned uh, postpartum psychosis, and I want to talk a little bit about exactly what psychosis is. Um, so a lot of people probably heard the psychosis throughout their life, but psychosis technically – specifically is when you lose touch with reality and a lot of times this is characterized by seeing hearing or believing things that simply aren't real or true right we go into this later in the podcast oh do we yeah okay well there you go that's the teaser (laughs) that's called foreshadowing in the podcast business (laughs) it's also called one person read the prep one person didn't (laughs) Guess which one? <laughs> it's a huge mystery there, you know? <laughs> Boy, these guys are real brain teasers tonight. <laughs> uh, so, baby blues. Tune sometimes. in next week for the answer to this week's stumper. Right. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, signs and symptoms of depression after childbirth can vary. Uh, they can range from mild to severe. Uh, the baby blues symptoms. Signs and symptoms of baby blues. Uh, which only last for a few days to a week or two after the baby is born, include mood, uh, mood swings, anxiety, sadness, irritability, feeling overwhelmed, crying, again, on the mother's part, not just the child's part. Or the dad's. Uh, right. <laughs> reduced concentration, appetite problems, trouble sleeping. Again, reduced concentration for the mom, not the dad. Right, or the baby, for that matter. Baby's dialed in. Reduced concentration might be what caused you to have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, these are this these are things that come along with baby blues. The thing is, right after birth, there is a lot of hormonal changes going on in the body. Because after nine months of diligently building another human being out of two individual cells. Yeah. <clears throat> which I mean, you know, I made a knife, so I kinda know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes the entire female population of the podcast uh, No, no, just the moms. I think it's so good. <laughs> Um, you go from that straight into obviously no longer having the baby. So those hormones need to work themselves out of your system. But then you're also, uh, more than likely breastfeeding, trying to produce food for the child. And if you decide not to go that route, which is perfectly acceptable, um, then your body's ramping up for that and then shutting that down pretty quick, you know? So yeah, there's a lot going on here. Just imagine there's like a bunch of little cells in the body's going, all right, shut it down. And it's basically wrap like it an up, oil wrap rig. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Shit, we're not doing this. Shut it down. Shut it down. It's like an oil rig, except it's just a uterus and people are like running around it, turning up, <laughs> switching buttons well, and throwing levers. And all this uh, right on top of the roaming uterus of the women have. Right. I absolutely. Mean, 
that creates problems in and of itself. For more on the, uh, <laughs> for more on the roaming uterus, uh, please listen to our, was it medical oddities yes. episode? That's a recent yes. one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just people thought some weird <laughs> shit back then. We could, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, there's still, uh, you know, according to that podcast and your uh, podcast last week on vaccinations, they're still thinking weird shit. That's true, people. <laughs> hey, but you know, if if people didn't think weird shit, I don't know that you and I would have a job. Uh, that's a good point. Or a profitable one, anyway. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Now, we're not even talking about podcasts. We're talking about our day-to-day job. Yeah. Yeah. So, um Postpartum depression symptoms. Oh, boy. So, signs and symptoms of depression after childbirth vary, and they can range from mild to severe. So, we already talked about baby blue symptoms. That's the mood swings, some anxiety, sadness, irritability, feeling overwhelmed, crying, reduced concentration. Maybe it's a problem with your appetites, and this can all lead to some trouble sleeping. Uh, but postpartum depression takes a little bit uh, of a turn. So postpartum depression may be mistaken by baby blues at first because they are going to share a lot of those same symptoms, but the signs and symptoms are more intense and they're going to last longer. So Mark had already mentioned that baby blues is something we look at from a few days to a week or two weeks after your baby's born. Um, exactly 14 days. At 15 days, you're sorry. That's <laughs> I just said it to bother Mark. Well, the reason I brought that up, I love my daughter. She's a, she's a wonderful young woman. Uh, she had her gallbladder taken out, right? Either. She had both of them taken out? Just one. <laughs> uh, really quick, you only have one gallbladder. Just for yes. anyone <laughs> If you're curious. There was someone listening there's like, yep, turn it off this show. They think there's two gallbladders. <laughs> Trust me, if that was the point they turned it off at, they would turn it off long ago. Fair. But no, she was told by the doctor that it would probably take about a month before she could process, you know, uh, dairy and fatty foods and stuff like that. She's like, Dad, it's been like a month and a week. I'm like, okay, those numbers aren't hard numbers, sweetie. It's not, <laughs> you know, doctors do not speak in finite terms. They talk in generalities and everything like that. So, well, what I like about doctors is <clears throat> as knowledgeable as much school as they went through, my favorite thing ever that made me feel comfortable. So, uh, in our field, we have something called a protocol book. Okay. And a protocol book is basically just a book full of things we can do. And it kind of just outlines them there. And by and large, as a decent paramedic, you know that by heart. I'm not going to say you know every nook and cranny of every single bit of it, but you know most of it. The important shit. Yeah, because you got to be able to pull that out pretty quickly on scene. However, every once in a blue moon, you run into the oddball patient that's going to get the oddball med, and you might flip the book open real quick. And... Every now and then when I do that, I feel a little, bit, a little bit guilty. One of the things I absolutely loved one time is I walked into one of our local community hospitals, and doctor goes in there, starts talking to our patient. He goes, all right, mm-hmm, okay, yep. And we're kind of stumped why the patient is going, because the patient's blood pressure is very, very low for them. We're not really sure why. Everything else is pretty much normal for this patient. And he goes, okay, yeah, uh-huh, all right. And he walks out, and he sits down at his desk, and he pulls out a book, and he just starts thumbing through it like, what the <laughs> hell is this? I don't even know. And I'm sitting there like, yes, yes. <laughs> if the doctor does it, I don't feel guilty doing it either. Right. Perfect. <laughs> and I don't feel guilty about not knowing what's going on with the patient because <laughs> yeah. he's digging out the answer from somewhere, too. And then as uh, time went on, you realize there's going to be a lot of patients you don't know everything about. Uh, one of the worst things is when parents come to, it's not worst thing, but it's just, they come at you with their child has a specific disease. And the one I always use is called Frederick's ataxia. Uh, don't look it up unless you really want to be kind of depressed a little bit. Mm. It's a very sad disease that affects young children. Uh, 
But the parents come in and be like, oh, yeah, she's got Frederick's ataxia. Like, and oh. they just stare at you like you know exactly what that is, you know. And I'm like, so I'm going to Google that later, just so you know. <laughs> uh, yes, I can see the Frederick's in him from here. Mm-hmm. So, ah. Has he uh, had his Frederick's levels checked? Right. They, they, <laughs> you know, the levels they check. <laughs> so postpartum depression, like Chris was saying, uh, you'll have some of the similar symptoms, but they'll be much more intense. So as before, you might have crying. Now you have excessive crying. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have difficulty bonding with your baby. And one of the dividing lines here is that depression is. So here's the thing. It's okay to be depressed. Okay. Being depressed is a normal, natural thing that your body does for certain reasons. Depression is when you are depressed to a point that it interferes with your ability uh, to perform daily functions. And in the case of postpartum depression, it's when it starts to interfere with your ability to care for your baby and handle other daily tasks. Right. So these symptoms usually develop within the first few weeks after giving birth, but may begin earlier, like during pregnancy or later, or even up to a year after birth. So like Mark said, these aren't hard numbers. So it's totally possible to have things to to have the depression be so severe that it interferes with your ability to care for yourself and your baby before the two week mark. So just because you're sub two weeks doesn't mean it's just baby blues. Right. So right, that right. so that 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 soft line goes either way. So the big thing you got to be working out for is does is this depression impairing your ability to care for yourself or your baby? And that's when it really needs to be uh, right. addressed, regardless of what it's called, because you have to care for yourself, especially just after birth, and you have to care for your baby, especially right. just after birth, and anything that's inhibiting those needs to be taken care of. Right. So yeah, there's. I mean, like I said, a lot of times women have shame with this because they have difficulty bonding with their baby. They don't feel like. They're stereotypically told they should feel when having a baby. Oh, yeah. You know, women spend nine months with the kid before. I mean, when I first met my daughter, I loved her, but I didn't have a connection with her like my ex-wife did. Yeah. Because I just met her. Now, she did do a finger of death technique on me very first thing, first day. What's the finger of death? Uh, It was a joke I always had where uh, it's kind of hard because it's a visual thing, but. uh, Thanks for bringing it up in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would do a finger of death warm-up technique, which was basically pointing up, pointing sideways, pointing up, pointing sideways. It was just a joke, you know. And then she poked, she jabbed me right in the nose first day. I'm like, she did nice. a finger of death technique first day. She is my daughter. Boom. So, I actually think um, I've seen you do this. You just, yeah, you point up, point to the side, point up. Yeah, it's almost well, like yeah. a, you it's know what? Well, you don't want to pull a muscle in doing the finger of death technique. So you got to, uh, you know. You know what? I'm going to make a video right now on my phone <laughs> and we'll upload it. To Facebook. There you go. So everyone can see Mark Franklin's finger of finger death. Finger of technique. death. There you go. And this is the finger of death. <laughs> That's right. Right here in the podcast, you're listening to Chris making a video. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You should see, like, hear like a film reel going in the background. <laughs> That's what I actually like. Old timey person, you know. Okay, kids, come or gather around. Chris is going to be doing a finger of death technique. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up right now. You have no idea. <laughs> So, that difficulty bonding with your baby. Women feel it makes them less of a mother, that they're doing something wrong, that they aren't prepared to be a mother, uh, which can cause them to go further into the depression, causing them to withdraw from friends and family. A lot of your depression symptoms here, you know, overwhelming fatigue or loss of energy, uh, either loss of appetite or eating much more than usual. You're it's, actually, so, go ahead. it's actually pronounced fatigue way. 
fatigue went on all these years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was in dispatch one time and fire, uh, the 911 system was tapping out a call and the guy reads the numbers, you know, blah, 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 Southwest. Montagui? <laughs> right? And then he reads it out a second time. And so I pick up, I click on the line, I call him. He picks up the phone. He's like, you know, go ahead. I'm like, Montague. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> uh, we had a gal. She was actually in our dispatch center. So at the outfit we work at, there's a uh, dispatch center. When you call 911, that's where it goes to. And then we have a separate dispatch center uh, with our company that dispatches out the individual ambulances. They receive the call. Um, they also do triage as well, but we won't get into that here. Um, and she's dispatching us. And she comes up, um, say, so she goes, uh, medic control, Metro West 5 1. You're going to Sweagle Lane? I'm not sure we get any crosses. I come back over there. I said, uh, medic control, Metro 5 1. 5 1, go ahead. Uh, 5 1, I believe you mean Southwest Eagle Lane. <laughs> it's, uh, it's off a, it's off a Shoals Ferry. That's amazing. Long pause. Yeah. Okay, cover that Metro West 5 1. You're actually going on a chest pain. You have a 98 year old patient. <laughs> Way to just blow right on past that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you can have loss of appetite or eating much more than usual. So you, with depression, you have loss of appetite because you just don't really have the will to go eat. Or you'll compensate by eating too much, trying to basically happy eat. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, you have the ability to sleep, parenthetical subset, insomnia, and parenthetical subset. <laughs> or again, sleeping too much. So you can have both ends of the spectrum. Uh, reduced interest and pleasure in activities you used to enjoy, like sex. So, now that being said, if you don't enjoy sex immediately after pregnancy, there are other reasons <laughs> that could be. Aside from being depressed. Don't listen to Jackass Frankum. Okay. <laughs> You're perfectly normal, I promise. Uh, intense irritability and anger, uh, you know, the mood swings. Uh, fear that you're not a good mother. And like I said, this kept a lot of women from, and still probably keeps a lot of women from seeking help for this because they feel to be judged as not a good mother. I have fear she's not a good mother, too. I don't, and I'm joking. <laughs> I would venture a guess there are some jackass doctors out there that share that belief. And so you go to the wrong doctor and they'd be like, well, you know. And they will make people feel bad about it. And that's, it's horrible. Mm. Which will then can, which then can couple with hopelessness, uh, feelings of worthlessness and shame, guilt or inadequacy, uh, diminished ability to think clearly, concentrate or make decisions. Uh, you can have restlessness, thoughts of harming yourself or your baby. You can have severe anxiety or panic attacks and, uh, recurring thoughts of death or suicide. And this can last for many months or even years if it's not treated properly. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. So now let's talk about uh, what was in that expert foreshadowing earlier. <laughs> Postpartum psychosis and boom, the audience suddenly feels like it's come full circle. <laughs> Everyone's hooked. 
right. So, uh, so we talked about psychosis a little bit earlier. So postpartum psychosis, this is a rare condition. It typically develops within the first week after delivery. So the signs and symptoms are severe. Signs and symptoms uh, can include uh, confusion, disorientation, obsessive thoughts about your baby, hallucinations, delusions, sleep disturbances, excessive energy and agitation, paranoia, and attempts to harm yourself for baby. So that is what psychosis is. As we talked about earlier, psychosis is when you lose touch with reality. Nice, nice throwback. And see, hear, or believe. In fact, if you want to learn more about psychosis, rewind about <laughs> 14 minutes. And uh, there you go. Well, the, and you know, they say obsessive thoughts about your body, about your baby. Uh, that does not mean like taking 9,000 Facebook pictures. You know, these are... Although, for the record, stop. Sorry, go oh. ahead. Nothing. <laughs> I'm joking. No, we did the same thing. No, child and they're adorable. You still post pics with you and your kids. Yeah, that's you true. You posted one just the other week. Uh, well, when it was snowing, last I was, week. several yeah. weeks ago. No, it wasn't last week. It was several weeks ago. It wasn't snowing last week. Okay. A couple weeks ago. Several seemed like an oversell. In today's episode, Mark's a liar. <laughs> Let's be honest, Mark's a liar most episodes. I'm Fair. making this shit up as I go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're talking about obsessive thoughts about what your baby is, where your baby is constantly, uh, where you, what's going on with your baby. Uh, not to be confused with uh, helicopter mothering, but you know, you know. So when we say obsessive thoughts, it's not that you're interested in your baby; it's that it comes with that disconnection from your child. Uh, the hallucinations and delusions, uh, you hear some people, they talk about, you know, they thought their baby was possessed or they're hearing, seeing, and this, hearing things or hearing things or seeing things. And, you know, this is comes from a severe chemical imbalance. It comes from after, after having the baby. You there? Yeah. Are you listening, God? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so new fathers can actually experience some, oh wait, are you, hmm. So, yeah, <clears throat> you, you just talked about the life threat part. Did you mention that? <laughs> Glad to see you're paying as much attention as the listeners are. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, postpartum psychosis may lead to uh, life-threatening thoughts, behaviors, and requires immediate treatment. And not just for, uh, I mean, the treatment is for you, but it's not just life-threatening thoughts for you, but also for your child or your spouse or loved ones. Yeah. You know. No, Absolutely. So there can be a postpartum depression in fathers, correct, Chris? That is correct. So new fathers can actually experience postpartum depression, too. Uh, they may feel sad or fatigued. They could be overwhelmed. They can experience anxiety all the same. Uh, they can have changes in their usual eating and sleeping patterns. Um, ex- I would say expect some changes in your sleeping patterns. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, like six or seven years. Right, yeah. I still have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... These, a lot of these are the same symptoms that mothers are going to experience with postpartum depression. Um, one of the other things, too, that when it comes to being uh, a father that is experiencing these depressive thoughts is we, we're going to have a tendency to not want to voice those. And the main reason is, is this is kind of a time where, rightfully, a lot of the attention is going to go to the mother who just cranked a giant baby out of their vagina. And... They may also be experiencing this depression, so it does become kind of hard from a father standpoint to feel okay complaining about right. anything like that or or seeking uh, or seeking help. Well, right. I mean, it can come from a point of well, she's been doing all the real work here. I really don't have a right to say anything. Absolutely. Which um, 
I certainly did not have postpartum depression, but that, like I said earlier, there are some things that I, you know, I mean, I certainly was nervous about being a new dad and all that stuff, but I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything because right. uh, I just don't feel like the, the attention needs to be on me. That and one of the reassuring things that I always had was that uh, Jesse just seemed like a natural mother. And so there was a lot of it was just like, oh, God, I'm freaking out. And I look over my, well, she seems like she's got this. So <laughs> I'm just going to follow her lead. <laughs> so. So the fathers who are young have a history of depression, experience relationship problems or are struggling financially. They're most at risk for postpartum depression. I mean, all of these things here, I mean, if you have the history of depression, this can trigger those feelings again. Uh, if there's problems in the marriage, and especially if people are young when they have children, you know, it, it's a huge change to your life. And so there can very easily be experienced, uh, you can experience relationship problems. And if you have children, you're going to have financial struggles. <laughs> well, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, unless you're, if you're financially set, like if you're rich. From the get-go. Right. <laughs> True. Most people have financial struggles when they have children, especially new children, because it's such a huge change to the life. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... I mean, even, you know, um, even like, Jesse and I, like, we, we were pretty financially set when we had kids, but it's still a stressor. It's right. still, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you had, like, this security blanket or you had the ability to kind of go out whenever you wanted to. That's gone. Right. So, uh, postpartum depression fathers, sometimes called paternal postpartum depression, or PPD, I'm making that last bit up, uh, can have the same net effect, uh, negative effects on partner relationships and child development as postpartum depression can in mothers. So, you know, it's, um, like you said, you know, you don't really want to complain because <laughs> you also didn't just carry a child for nine months and then have a child, but... If you're having these symptoms, if you're having similar symptoms to the uh, what we listed for postpartum depression, definitely talk to a doctor. Yeah. You know, go in to see your doctor. Make sure or talk to the OB-GYN. They're probably a little more versed than most general practitioners in uh, postpartum depression. And say, look, I'm feeling a little bit disconnected. I'm feeling, you know, you know, it's, it's, we're having stresses here and I'm feeling depressed. And they may be able to point you in a direction to help you get some help as, just as well as they can for your wife. Hmm. So that's good. So, Chris, when do you see a doctor? Well, you should see a doctor when you're feeling depressed after your baby's birth. Uh, you're going to be reluctant or embarrassed, like we talked about. But if you experience any symptoms of postpartum baby blues or postpartum depression, call your doctor. So, did you just talk about this? No. Well, kind of. I don't feel like I've said anything new. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. Well, I just, yes, I did say contact Nobi Jin as part of the father one. So, yeah, but if you're, uh, well, you said get a hold of your doctor or even the OB/GYN, right? So, I guess I did. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, unintentionally, I said. <laughs> but uh, if you do have symptoms that suggest that you may have postpartum psychosis, then get help immediately. Right. Um, it's important to call your doctor as soon as possible if the signs and symptoms of depression have any of these specific features if they don't fade after two weeks again there's no hard lines here but two weeks ish is where we're right. looking and if it's <clears throat> if they're not severe don't wait for the two weeks if there's if you feel that they're severe yeah exactly uh or if they're getting worse that's another thing to look at this should be something that gradually gets better over the course of the next couple of weeks if it makes it hard for you to care for your baby or i would also add in there care for the mother uh, make it hard for you to complete everyday tasks or again if it includes thoughts of harming yourself or your baby or your partner 
anybody. Let's just throw that out there. The checker lady at the at the at the convenience store. <laughs> if you found yourself having thoughts of hurting them, get some help. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on if they messed up your order or not, because this might be justified. <laughs> I'm just because let me tell you, the other day I went to a Chick Fil A, and this I'm just Ooh, can't go to Chick Fil A, man. It's true. Yeah, you're naughty. Mm. <laughs> they have a very, very, uh, very strong anti-LBGTQ uh, stance as a corporation. I thought they uh, backed off on that one. That got. Up. I mean, it. Well, I mean, it doesn't make it any better. The only reason they backed off it was because it was cutting to the bottom line. But right. <laughs> I, so, I, I don't call that redemption. There, it's right. just ah crap. <laughs> we're making less dollars than before. Right. So, yeah, if you're thinking about harming anybody after hurting your baby, after hurting your baby, Jesus Christ, after having your baby, then get some help. I can help you can hurt your life. baby, and that's fine. But after that. <laughs> you get one freebie, okay? Yeah. You can suck him right in the nose once, but then after <laughs> that, should probably get cut. I was like the, yeah, probably. I was like the uh, thing. Uh, although it is technically not illegal, it is frowned upon to call a toddler an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> so uh causes of postpartum depression yeah so there's physical changes <clears throat> this is mostly going to be in women um <laughs> after childbirth there's going to be a dramatic drop in hormones so mark had already talked we already talked about the uh oil rig uterus in your body apparently <laughs> i don't know why but um yeah it's just ramp it up wrap it up start producing them hormones and then it's like oh, shut it down it. shut I it was, down i was uh, i was uh, following you down that path <clears throat> but i wasn't really sure where it was leading so well that's where <laughs> um but yeah and this uh in your body that may contribute to postpartum depression there's other hormones produced by your thyroid gland that can also drop sharply uh, and that can leave you feel, you know, just tired, sluggish, depressed. Uh, with that, there's emotional issues. So when you're sleep deprived and you're overwhelmed because you have a new baby, uh, you may have trouble handling even minor problems. Basically, every little problem can become the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, you can be anxious about your ability to care for yourself or your newborn, which a lot of us are. You may feel less attractive, struggle with your sense of identity, or even feel that you've lost control over your life. And you have, by the way, I'm just joking, but um, it, it your life does change. And right. so any of these issues can contribute to postpartum depression. So skip this next thing, because apparently I just recopied that. I felt it was very important, and maybe we need to read it twice. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but at this point, point, there's really there's no single cause of postpartum depression. Right. So there are some complications, though. So when left untreated, and this is kind of a key thing that you might notice as a theme, is that when this isn't treated properly, or if it's untreated, it just gets worse. What? Um, yeah, I know, I know. If you've moved beyond the realm of baby blues, because baby blues is something that it can might go away on its own, but keep communicating with your doctor so you can help identify in yourself and your doctor can identify when you've crossed that line from baby blues right. to postpartum depression or even psychosis, God forbid. Um, <clears throat> but because if it's left untreated, it can interfere with mother child bonding and it can cause a lot of family problems. So for mothers, untreated postpartum depression can last for months or longer. We said that uh, sometimes it uh, becoming a chronic depressive disorder that goes on for life. 
It's right. chronic. Uh, even when treated, postpartum depression can cause an increase in a women's risk of future episodes of major depression. For fathers, postpartum depression, postpartum depression can have a ripple effect. It can cause emotional strain for everyone close to the newborn baby, actually. I mean, even the grandparents who have been pitching in. I mean, I know, like, I would feel bad for my parents because they want to help. But right. uh, I think my mom listens to this. Uh, Love you, mom. They're old. <laughs> and uh, your parents are awesome and they're sweet. Thank they you, are, Doug, for letting me borrow your pics, your pics, and everything to help me out in the forge. I'm actually really uh, surprised, Mark, that you thought just because I called someone old that that meant they weren't awesome and sweet. Do you see old people as just not uh, awesome more, and sweet? It was more tone than actual wordage. I just said the word. That's all I did, Mark. <laughs> I think uh, your interpretation of my words is not my fault. Oh, okay. <laughs> actually, it is. It totally is. By the way, um, but anyway, <laughs> so. Um, but if you could, but if you think about that, if you think about the grandparents, uh, the last time they really probably felt any sort of bond or at least that level of a bond to a child that small was me. And yeah, at the time of our first child, let's just, let's just be honest. You were, you were a disappointment, right? Still am. <laughs> no, there's no worry about that. That's, it's an ongoing problem. Um, but yeah, but, but then, you know, I was just, I was just a wee lad and that was, that was, by the time I had my first child, let's see, I was 29. Mm-hmm. And so 29 years ago was the last time they dealt with that. Right. And so, yeah, although, it's not as easy. Although my parents that. have said that if they'd known having grandchildren was so much fun, they would have skipped having kids and gone straight to grandkids. I think my dad said that, too. Yeah. yeah. I tried to explain to him it doesn't really work that way. Right. Yeah, nah, they don't listen to it. Well, they're old. <laughs> So, uh, for the father, postpartum depression can have a ripple effect, causing emotional strain for everybody. Legitimately just read that. Now, who's not paying attention? Well, you didn't read it as well as I did. I've got the golden pipes, remember? (laughs) I mean, true, but come on. Do you want to do this by yourself or not? (laughs) No, no, I've done that. I'm good. That's true. Um, Um, So, when the new new mother is depressed, the risk of depression in the baby's father may also increase as well. So, new dads are already at an increased risk of depression, whether or not their partner is affected. Uh, So, for the children, children of mothers who have untreated postpartum depression are more likely to have emotional behavior problems uh, moving on. So, such as sleeping and eating difficulties, excessive crying, and delays in language and development. And let's also talk a little bit about siblings. Okay. It's entirely possible for uh, new ch- uh, you know, children, current children, if you're having, if this is a second child, uh, to also start having some blues as well. And that's actually fairly natural. I know Emmett had it when, uh, actually, Emmett loved having a baby brother until the moment Nana was holding the baby brother and not him. Yeah. Then baby brother became drastically well, uncool. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, you, now you're stepping on my turf, motherfucker. Yeah. No, then it was, yeah. Now, was he, like, trying to cut his brother at night or anything? Or? No, he did. We had to go have a third shot. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that got dark. Um, <clears throat> no, yeah, he um, no, he mostly kind of cried and screamed. I remember there was one time, uh, this actually wasn't that long ago, uh, but it was kind of around the time Emmett started realizing that <clears throat> he has to share toys now. Mm. You know, it, he's sharing toys. They're sharing affection. And one time he was just having a little outburst and he just said, Charlie ruined our family. And it's just like, <laughs> nobody. And now they're inseparable. They're, they're devious and they fight a lot, but they are, they're always, they're always doing the same well, thing. Charlie's legit getting big enough to defend himself. Oh yeah. No, he's been yeah. able to keep his left arm up to, to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
stick his head the entire yeah 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 he's getting to that point now where he can actually like scheme and uh plan so oh they scheme together oh do they oh yeah no they're both they, they both communicate fairly effectively so yeah uh you ever like are you ever listening to watching tv and you hear like one of them say i'll get the doll <laughs> You're like a knife goes shink shink. Like, yeah, yeah. What the hell is that? No. Uh, Did you hear something, Jesse? <laughs> no, the Jesse, Jesse. Uh oh. <laughs> no, um, the the telltale sign that something is up is when you don't hear anything. Right. When all of a sudden you're like, huh? That's uh, disturbing. It's been super quiet. Right. <laughs> Thank God, kids really don't figure that out until they're older. And the last you thing know. you hear is, "I love you, Daddy." <laughs> Go to sleep. There was now. It's your bedtime, Daddy. There was (laughs) time for you to turn the light out. (laughs) There was a medic we used to work with, uh, whose stepson. You should have read me a story, Daddy. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. There was a medic we used to work with, and we talked about his stepson's name. And I'm like, you realize that's like a serial killer's name, right? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, too. <laughs> like, you're going to have to sleep with one eye open for the rest of your life. You get that, right? <laughs> and in his defense, he didn't name the kid. No, he did not. No, but he inherited that that child, and that was his responsibility at that point. So, <laughs> To rename him? Hey, I know, I know I'm not your real dad, but... um, I'm just going to call you Bob from now on. Is yeah. That okay? <laughs> we got to get out of the courthouse real quick. <laughs> we got to get some things changed. So, prevention. If you've stuck with us this far, we're almost done, I swear to God. So, uh, so condom, you, thank- number one. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, if you have a history of depression, uh, especially postpartum depression, tell your doctor if you're planning on becoming pregnant or as soon as you find out. Uh, during, present, pre- during pregnancy, your doctor can monitor you closely for signs and symptoms of depression. He or she may ha- have you a complete a depression screening questionnaire during your pregnancy or after delivery. And sometimes mild depression can be managed with support groups, counseling, other therapies. Uh, in other cases, antidepressants may be re- recommended even during your pregnancy, although we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. Uh, then after your baby is born, your doctor may recommend an early postpartum checkup to screen for signs and symptoms of postpartum depression. Uh, the earlier is detected, the earlier the treatment be- can begin and get you onto a healthy life. If you have a history of postpartum depression, your doctor may recommend antidepressant treatment or psychotherapy immediately after delivery. Do you think he means like in the delivery room? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you actually deliver on a psychologist's couch. <laughs> okay, it's a boy, so you need to talk to this guy right here. <laughs> so, so tell uh, me, what was your relationship with your father? <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound good, ma'am. So. Think they hold up the afterbirth and make him do an inkblot test? <laughs> What you see is this afterbirth. <laughs> I see blood. Oh, not good. <laughs> oh. I feel this doctor is underqualified to be in this room. <laughs> I don't think our fields match up. Oh, so anyway, treatment. <laughs> how do you how do you like recording our last episode? <laughs> how do you? Well, we're definitely making. We're, if we stop recording after tonight, everybody's going to know why. Right. There you, you know, go. There'll be no questions in anybody's head. So, treatment for mild uh, to moderate PPD uh, includes psychological interventions or antidepressants. 
Women with moderate to severe PPD would likely experience a greater benefit with a combination of psychological and medical interventions. Exercise has been found to be useful for both the mild and moderate cases. Uh, there's therapy. Both individual and psychological interventions appear equally effective. I'm sorry, individual, social, and psychological interventions appear equally effective in the treatment of postpartum depression. Social interventions can include individual counseling and peer support, while psychological interventions include cognitive behavioral therapy and interpersonal therapy. Uh, other forms of therapy, such as group therapy and home visits, also are very effective treatments. Uh, Internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy has shown promising results with, lowering ne- with lower negative parenting behavior scores and lower rates of anxiety or stress and depression. Now, this is something that I've been talking about through EMS for a while. Hmm. One of the things I'm seeing, well, okay, one of the things I've noticed, this isn't like a, you know, a paper I've been working on or anything, is that we tend to run a lot of calls on with new parents who have a hard time with some of what I consider some of the basics with child child rearing. Okay. As an example would be uh, 11 o'clock at night. This was years ago. Uh, ran a call for a young couple with a child. Child was about seven or eight months old. Been screaming for and crying for about the last hour and a half. And was just drooling like you would not believe. Right. So, um, could it be teething? Yeah. They're like, uh, maybe. I'm like, okay. Well, here's our options. One, we're here. We're always more than happy to take you to the hospital. Yeah, we can start number, CPR. <laughs> number two, um, you could probably uh, get some baby or a gel. Uh, help numb that up a little bit. Uh, number three, you can go to the store and grab some ice. Uh, you can buy toys that you throw in the freezer that chill out. The baby can chew on, which does a couple of different things. A, it numbs up the area because of the cold yeah. and feels good. And B, helps cut the teeth so they come through a little bit quicker. Have you, um, did you just mention, sorry, I was just kind of, I was reading through the rest of the show prep, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, did you mention uh, taking a terry cloth? Yeah, just no. so, okay. So just take like, like our kitchen rag, just get a little bit wet and throw that oh, yeah. in the freezer. I was literally just getting ready to say that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, if you can't, I was going to go with, in fact, my next line before I was what? Maybe rudely interrupted? <laughs> <laughs> I would say no. politely interrupted. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, no, I was going to say, if you can't afford the, the you know, to go to the store and get the, uh, the toys, then yeah, a cloth or you know, my partner was standing right there. Um, he goes, bag of peas. <laughs> your freezer, you know, something that the child can chew on and help them out. And they're like, oh, well, no, I think we'd rather go to the hospital. Okay. So, Dad, are you going to ride with us? Oh, no, I'm going to follow you in our car. Would you like to take your wife and your child in your car to the hospital? <laughs> no, I want them to go by ambulance. Um, okay. <laughs> so, we... So... <laughs> I don't really know where to go with this. <laughs> Let me tell you what we're going to use in the back of the ambulance. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Diesel. Yeah. Diesel is all we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be costly. Like, it's, right. you know. <laughs> so anyway, and the thing was is that they lived in the area because of their job and they had no support structure. One thing that I think a lot of people lose when they move away from families is the fact that you don't have that support, support structure of your parents going, of your mother going. Uh, yeah, give them a, take a wet rag, throw it in the freezer. <laughs> give it to your child, <laughs> let them chew on it. 
And so you, you, the, you know, that number of people have lost that generational. Now, there can also be side effects to the generational knowledge. Like the burn patient who they were dumping raw egg onto uh, to help stop the burns. Right. You know, that's bad. Or the or even butter on a burn. You know, stuff like that. But I think there's a lot when it comes into the child rearing where, you know, experiences a huge factor is a sharp learning curve here. So if you have that support structure of your parents that can say, uh, try this. You know, I think that we could. And so I think that probably what this internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of filling in that gap a little bit. It brings down your, you know, your stress and your anxiety. I mean, we all know how we were with our first child versus your second child. There's a great commercial right now where these parents with their first child, they're like trying to bathe them properly you know, and they're like, okay, we need to do this. And they're all stressed out. And this says, second child. And she hands the baby into the shower with the dad. <laughs> you know, by the second child. Okay, got a better beat on things here, you know. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, this is actually one of the reasons why, God, I love interrupting you. It just turns me on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually one of the reasons. <laughs> Which is only awkward when I'm actually in the room with you. Mm. Eh, it's not awkward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is one of the reasons that Jesse and I actually took that class I mentioned earlier, where that you're a new parent, you have a new baby class. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it goes over stuff like this. Right. Things to expect, how to swaddle, how to, you know, different methods to get your baby to stop crying, et cetera, et cetera. Nonviolent well, methods. Although babies are fragile to a certain extent. If you want to see exactly how, how fragile they are, watch a... Um, uh, like a neonate nurse, <laughs> throw a child around while they swaddle them and get them cleaned up and stuff like that. It's like, man, they, they, you know, roll that kid around, get them all swaddled up, tuck them under an arm and walk off down the hall. <laughs> oh yeah. They actually just have, so have you ever seen, uh, those games at arcades where it's like the basketball thing and you just mm-hmm. see some guy just shooting basketballs one after another through a hoop. That's yeah. actually how they move the babies around the NICU. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, just, uh, yeah. They, they score points and yeah, if they need to rotate them through the, uh, I mean the back. I mean yeah. the backboards are softer. Don't get me wrong, but they're still there. <laughs> so um, the hoop and the nest the same. <laughs> the internet-based cognitive uh, therapy uh, can be beneficial to mothers who have limitations in accessing the the personal the stuff in person. Uh, however, the long-term benefits have not been determined. This is still new, but hopefully that's something that can help get this out to a, uh, many, 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 many more mothers. So. Medicaciones. I know. For our Espanol listeners. Like 50 some odd episodes, and that's the only thing I've ever said in Spanish. So, really, I'm. <laughs> I, I actually don't think that's the only thing you've ever said in Spanish. Uh, maybe I've said uh, cervezas. Yeah. Cervezas. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've said other things like, I mean, you know. I called you a puta. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you have. I'm not sure you said other things like, I'm not sure if we went through, we would probably find things like, oh. Hola. Yeah, como estas, yeah. Right. Uh, Only the most offensive stereotypes we can think of. Long story short, you're still a liar. (laughs) Uh, So, medications. I'll tell you, this is an epic last episode. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, there have been a few studies of uh, medications for treating postpartum depression. However, sample sizes were small, so evidence is generally considered weak. Uh, Some evidence suggests that mothers with postpartum depression will respond similarly to people with major depressive disorder. There is evidence that suggests that selective serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. Okay, yeah. So, you were talking about SSRIs. Yeah. Okay. uh, Are effective. However, recent study has found that adding sertraline to an SSRI, it's a psychotherapy, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, 
adding sertraline, an SSRI, to psychotherapy does not appear to confer any additional benefit. Therefore, it's not completely clear which antidepressants, if any of them, are most effective for the treatment of PPD. And for who? Just give them all. Give them all of them. Yeah. There you go. Right? One of each. Uh, We actually call that trimol. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, So, yeah, they're not really sure uh, if any of them are actually effective or not. So some studies are showing that hormone therapy may be effective with women with postpartum depression. Uh, Support the idea that the drop in estrogen and progesterone levels post-delivery contribute to the depressive syndrome uh, symptoms. However, there is some controversy with this in the form of treatment because estrogen should not be given to people who are at high risk for blood clots. Oh, yeah. Which include women in the first 12 weeks after delivery. Uh, Additionally, none of the existing studies include women who are breastfeeding. Yeah. So, speaking of breastfeeding. So, uh, breastfeeding. There are currently no antidepressants that are FDA approved for use during lactation. Most antidepressants are excreted in breast milk. Uh, However, there are limited studies showing the effects and safety of these antidepressants on breastfed babies. So, again, another big question mark in the realm of medications for treating postpartum depressive depression. So, finally, so Mark, I don't want to steal your thunder because you were actually the one to put this down here, but please talk about ECT. So, uh, electroconvulsive therapy. It's all right. Uh, (laughs) So, thank you for calling. I want to listen to medical stuff. So, in severe uh, cases, they can go to what's called electroconvulsive therapy. And it's shown efficacy in women with severe PPD and have either failed multiple trials of medication-based treatments and cannot tolerate the anti- or cannot tolerate the antidepressants. Uh, so uh, electroconvulsive therapy, which is still not widely used, um, it is used. I transported a patient on just recently who's going through electroconvulsive therapy. It's for depression. It is a, a major is a medical treatment which is commonly used in patients with severe major depression or bipolar disorder that has not responded to other treatments. So uh, this particular patient. I've actually run on a number of times, and she was near catatonic with depression. Oh, wow. Yeah. And after we, we transported her home from a treatment, I mean, I've transported enough times, like, I'm getting to know the parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. They recognize me, you know. <laughs> They're like, oh, hey. Steve, how, how was your fishing trip? Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe not that close. So. Um, you should know, Mark, you were there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, ECT is a medical treatment most commonly used in patients with, like I said, bipolar disorder. It involves a brief electrical stimulation of the brain where the patient is under anesthesia. It is typically administered to teach, uh, to, by a team of trained medical professionals, including a psychiatrist and an anesthesiologist and a nurse or phys- physician assistant. Uh, it's one of these things that seems to work. They don't necessarily have a good idea why it works. But, uh, and there's varying data on whether uh, it's how long it's going to work for. So you can have the ECT and it can work for you. And then six months later, you can be back in the same state. Uh, Catatonia from these patients, these depressive patients, these bipolar uh, patients is brought on. Uh, because they are so dehydrated from not eating or drinking because they're just that depressed. But when we picked this young lady up, 
she was not talking, but she was actually responding and laughing to stuff I said, even when I wasn't trying to be funny. Oh. No, I'm joking. <clears throat> I would joke with her parents or something like that, and she would laugh along with us, and she was actually looking around and was cognitively trans, uh, you know, tracking with what was going on around her. So and laughter so, was the best medicine. Right. Well, no, ECT was the best medicine, and it produced laughter. Oh. So um, there are some uh, other therapies, or these are going to be uh, more of your less mainstream therapies. Well, more mainstream than electroconvulsive therapy, i got to tell you that. But these are going to be some of your more holistic treatments. Uh, people have tried to say that acupuncture or massage, uh, bright light therapy, taking omega-3 fatty acids can be useful for treating a postpartum depression. As we always say on the show, consult a physician, a, a certified physician that is a specialist in this field. They may have an opinion on this. They may believe that it helps and that I don't have any problems with that if you're following the orders of your physician. But please don't forego medical treatment based upon theory or something you read on the internet yeah. or something your friend's good friend told you while they were trying to sell you something. Or something you heard in a podcast. <laughs> Don't listen to those idiots. Except this one. This one is 100% oh, yeah. accurate. Oh, follow crap, us. That's right. Follow our advice right to the grave. Right. <laughs> or if you follow our advice, it will lead you to an early grave. Absolutely. And then so. we're not liable because we told you. So, man. <laughs> so, have you got anything else, Chris? No, man. I am set. Uh, the only thing I would say is that please, 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 please get treatment for any kind of depression. And having postpartum depression does not change how good of a mother you are uh so here's one thing i will upload the finger death or the death finger finger of death good lord god I, i'm gonna upload the finger of death video i'll upload it separately so it doesn't um overshadow <laughs> the link to the podcast but it will be on our instagram which is at medical stuff 52 on facebook at medical stuff or on twitter at medside stuff m-e-d-s-i-d-e-s-t-u-f-f yeah, Mar I'll just go ahead. I'll actually DM it to the Instagram account if you want to take care of it from there because I don't. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, if you want to send us an email, go ahead and do so at medsidestuff at yahoo.com. As always, you can hear us on anywhere iTunes. Yeah, I, everything except for Pandora. Apparently, I'm still trying to crack that nut. Well, so <laughs> I actually went and I know I know we broke this rule. But if you look on their submission rules, it says do not resubmit. If you didn't get selected, you didn't get selected. Yeah. I'm going to go with the theory of, you know, the more times we, they'll just get tired of hearing from us. Okay. You know what, man? That's worked for us in a lot of different ways. So I'd say do it. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so you can listen to us just about anywhere. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, Google Play. Use your favorite podcast catcher. Please send us a message if you have any questions, if you have any ideas for a show. or And then also, if you can, go to iTunes and give us a review, hopefully five stars. And that helps us get noticed and helps us get advertisers so that we can uh, keep doing the show. And for God's sakes, it'll help us finally buy Mark a pair of pants. We could right. really use that around here. Yeah. They could. They really could. It's not pretty. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got, Chris. How about you? No, nah, I'm good. Okay. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Toast.